Hello, and welcome to the 24th episode of the Life in the Desert podcast. This is Kelly, your host. This week, Constance Curtis is my guest. She's from the desert, but now resides in Southern California. She's an entrepreneur that has founded The List, a digital matchmaking service. Listen to hear how Constance has reinvented matchmaking and online dating. So Constance, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to share all about your path, your company, and some great tips for fellow entrepreneurs out there. So how are you doing this evening? I'm good. I'm excited to uh, share my story. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you. And I, um, I know I've known you for a long time and you have had a really unique career path and you are doing things that, and you've had a lot of experience, I think that, um, intrigues a lot of people. So I was wondering if you could tell us, um, about your work history and kind of what led you to becoming your own boss and just taking charge and doing, you know, what you wanted to do. Yeah, absolutely. So I, after I graduated from the University of Arizona, I knew that I wanted to move to California, um, Manhattan Beach specifically, where I've now been for 17 years, which is so crazy to me that I've been here for that long. Um, but when I came out here, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do. And I, I got a job pretty quickly with the Walt Disney Studio. Um, and it was in it was actually in their casting department. And I knew nothing about casting. Um, but I it got my foot in the door and I thought, okay, you know, this is a great company. Um, and then from there I got, went into marketing where I worked on, um, national promotions for feature films. So our clients were Verizon wireless and, you know, McDonald's and we did like the happy meal toys and we did promotions of our films. Um, but I was at Disney for about three years commuting an hour and a half each way from Manhattan beach, which was horrible. Um, but the things that we do to live at the beach, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and to be honest, I hated corporate. Uh, I think it was because I grew up in a household with two entrepreneur parents. My mom owns her own preschool that I went to actually when I was a child. And my father, um, they own their, their family owns their own company and he's always worked for his dad. So growing up, I feel like in a family household where both parents are entrepreneurs, it's very different than, you know, kind of that corporate structure. Like my parents didn't have to be at work from eight to five every single day. It was a little bit more lenient and, you know, they worked extremely hard. It was just, it was different. So being in that corporate environment where we would get to work at 8 a.m., and then like I would be looking around and, you know, our this everyone's still working in like cubicles for 8 p.m. I was like, OK, I can't do this for the rest of, <laughs> for the rest of my life. You know, like I was like, I feel like I need to like build my own thing. I'm not passionate about this. So my sister got engaged and her wedding planner lived in Manhattan Beach. And so I was that annoying uh, maid of honor that attended every single meeting. I was so involved and so excited in the planning of the wedding. And during that process, I kind of realized maybe I could do this. Maybe I could plan weddings for a living. So I had talked to her wedding planner and said, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about leaving Disney and I've had so much fun and I've really enjoyed 
helping plan my sister's wedding, like, you know, kind would it be possible for me to intern with you or, you know, get an assistant job? And, and she actually said, you know, it's, it's more, it looks more glamorous than it really is. So come work for me in the summer, just come to like weddings and work them and see how much hard work it is like behind the scenes. I mean, you're picking up furniture, you're, there's so much that it, when you, when you t attend a wedding as a guest, everything just looks beautiful and it's not a lot of fun. Right. But there's so much work that went into planning that, um, that you don't see it as a guest. So I said, yes, I would love to, you know, assist you during the summer, um, which I did while I, while I still, uh, worked at Disney and, and I loved it. And I thought, no, I definitely want to do this. Um, so I remember calling my dad and telling him I'm, I'm leaving Disney. And he was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be an assistant. I'm going to make a, I'm not going to make any money, but I'm going to be an assistant and I'm going to help plan these weddings. And um, yeah, so that was kind of like my first big, like, just take a leap and like leap of faith and, and try to figure out like what my, my next step was going to be. Um, and it was definitely like the corporate route was, I feel like definitely the more safe route because, you know, you, you definitely had a salary coming in, which is like so nice. People don't realize that when you're entrepreneurs that you have to hustle and you don't always get paid. Um, so it was scary because I knew I was going to be making a lot, met a lot less. And I didn't know like how long I would be able to assist her. Like, was I going to build my own company? And eventually I did. So I worked for her for about three years. Then I left. I felt like I grew as much as I could with her and I left and I launched my own event planning company. Um, which, which I loved. I planned a ton of successful weddings, but funny enough, I actually look back at it now and see so many things I did wrong. And I look at it as one of my failures as an entrepreneur, which probably a lot of people don't know about me. Um, and it's just because I could like, I didn't know much about like when I first started my first company, I didn't know like, how do I scale this? How do I make sure I'm making enough money to like, you know, make a living? <laughs> um, I just kind of went for it and it was great and it was fun. And I definitely, you know, ended up in, in the long run building a successful company. But it, I, when I, when I ended that company, I didn't, um, I didn't sell it to anybody. Everyone's like, Oh, did you sell your company? And I'm like, to be honest, like, I didn't even really know that I could do that, you know, like pass it off to someone. So there's a lot of mistakes that I made, um, with that first company, but with actually that first company is what led me to my second company. So I always laugh that I'm like famously single. Everyone always asks me like, Oh, you know, do you have a boyfriend? Who are you dating? Are you engaged yet? Um, and when I was building my very first company, Constance Curtis Events, I worked from home, which is funny because now that we had to work from home for quarantine, you know, I, I didn't want to work from home. But back then, I loved it. Um, and but I, I was by myself. So I didn't I wasn't in an environment where like I had coworkers and I was out meeting people. I was just home all the time, hustling, um, tired at night, not, you know, not really going out and meeting a ton of people. So I did a lot of online dating for like 10 years. I did match.com, eHarmony, Bumble, Tinder, like you name it. I was like the queen of online dating. And then I like hit 35 
And I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I mentally exhausted it. Online dating is so time consuming. So that wasn't back in 2018. And that's when I realized I'd love to hire a traditional matchmaker and just basically have someone set me up on dates. And I didn't know much about matchmaking. I knew I watched Millionaire Matchmaker. <laughs> that's about <laughs> yes, like me too. <laughs> that's about as all I, I knew of, of matchmaking. So I went and met with a few different um, companies in LA, and I was honestly I was blown away by one how old school their business models were, and then two how expensive. So it's like seven grand for a six month membership, or anywhere from. 14 to $20,000 for a year membership. And I remember leaving these meetings and I called my mom and I was like, mom, my options are I have to get back on Tinder. Or I have to pay 20 grand <laughs> for a matchmaker. And I was just like, how is there not, you know, how are those my options? How is a, a young business professional who was doing pretty well do you have to, you know, get on this dating app where you have to do everything yourself? It's all self-service or you got to fork out $20,000. And, but there, that's really when the light bulb went off. And that's when I thought, holy crap, there's this huge white space in the market that no one's tapped into yet. Um, and that is how, you know, the whole idea of the list um, came about. So that's kind of my whole Sorry, that was kind of a really long answer, but uh, that was the whole how it all came to life. No, I love it because you had such like a variety of experiences that brought you to where you are now. And I think that's so fabulous. And I love that you had firsthand experience working the dating or like doing the dating apps yourself. And you're mm -hmm. like, okay, not so great. And then crazy how expensive though those companies were charging. It's crazy. Um, Oh my gosh. And I guess people are paying that, but I hope they find somebody. For, for that <laughs> That's what I said. I was like, listen, if I'm going to give you 20 grand, even 14 grand, like even the cheaper company for a year was 14 grand. I was like, if I'm going to give you $14,000, you better have a ring on my finger <laughs> at, at the end of this. And that's the hardest part about matchmaking is that there's no guarantees. Like they, they're going to guarantee that they're going to set you up on dates, but no one can guarantee chemistry. Like you, you can't. And until you go on that date and you meet someone, there's really not, you know what I mean? You just, as a matchmaker, you don't, you don't know. You keep your fingers crossed, but we don't know for sure. So that was like the biggest thing. And, and, um, and a little bit more just about that is, I, you know, th these matchmaking companies, they're so old school. They're all offline. Um, you, you basically, you meet with a matchmaker. She takes a bunch of notes about you and then she emails you guys and, or, or if you're a guy, she'll only email you females um, and she'll set you up on these dates. And there's no, by being offline, the only way that they're generating revenue is from their clients. So that's really why they, I understand why they're charging that much money. It's because they only have one revenue stream. So that was really the whole idea with the list is the list. So we are a digital matchmaking service. Um, so we bridge the gap between the dating apps and the old school matchmakers. So we are on an application, but we're not like a dating app where everyone downloads it and everyone sees everyone. We actually only feature our clients on our application. All of our clients have been vetted. We write all of their um, bios, but anyone can download the app and be part of our free database. 
um, as being a, a free member, you don't see other free members within the app, but you do get to see everybody um, that we represent. And if, and if one of our clients is interested in you, then our matchmaker, matchmaking team will reach out to you via the app. But what's really cool about what we do is since how we've modernized is we say, hey, you know, this is our, this is our client, John. He's 45. This is what he's looking for. And if you as a single, you know, female were interested in John, you don't have to sit back and wait for our matchmaking team to reach out to you. You can be proactive and you can message his matchmaker through the application and say, hey, your client looks great. I'd love to be considered to go on a date. But to do this, the message is matchmaker, you have to buy coins. So you have to buy a couple of coins. So even though you're a free member, we have the freemium model. So we've opened up a different revenue stream. So we're not just charging our elite members, our clients. We're also charging, uh, we're generating revenue from our um, the free members in our database. Does that make sense? No, yeah. it totally does. And that's so smart. And then you have I feel like that's also kind of vetting the people that want to go on a date because then they're going to be willing to put up some money. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. On these apps, so many people just swipe right, really, without really thinking like, okay, do I actually really want to chat with this person or do I think this person was really a good match? So by having to pay a couple of bucks. It's listen, it's two dollars, okay? But if you if you're not willing to pay two dollars, you're probably not that serious about the person. If you really are into that person, of course you would pay that dollar ninety-nine. <laughs> yeah. No, but that and that's nice. And then you can see, you know, if it takes you anywhere. And I think that is kind of exciting because it's not going to break the bank. Exactly. Right? And because there's no guarantees as a free member. I mean, there's a guarantee that the matchmaker will read your mess ma- message. And we'll definitely consider you for our client. But at the end of the day, we're working for our client, right? And so if we know that our client wouldn't be interested in you, then, then unfortunately, we know we have to pass on the, on the consideration. So let's say someone wanted to be a client um, that you represent. What is that process like? So typically, I'll, we'd get on the phone with them, explain the process of how it works, Um once they have decided that they, you know, want to commit to the process and do it, we charge an initiation fee. So that's basically the onboarding fee. Um, after that onboarding fee is paid, we meet with them via Zoom. It's about an hour long. So they meet. that's when they meet their matchmaker. Um, the matchmaker gets to know everything about them and everything that they're looking for in someone. Um, and then after that hour meeting, we write their bio, we look at their photos, make sure they have great photos. Sometimes we recommend people take photos, uh, have photos taken of themselves just to make sure that we're putting, you know, their best foot forward. Um, and then we, after that meeting, we send them the bio to approve, we get them all set up in our system. And then the monthly membership starts and it's a monthly subscription and our, our monthly subscription start at 300 in $99 a month. Um, now that's in LA as we launch in other cities that that price will um, will probably go down or up depending on the city. Um, but yeah, so it's not cheap, but it's a lot cheaper than what our, our competitors are charging. Definitely. And I, I feel like from the um, way you guys are promoting your company that they're, you guys are really hands-on and I, I don't know. That seems really inviting, yeah. you know, if I were out there looking for somebody. Yeah, we're really hands-on. And, and what's so great about what we do that no one, not not one other matchmaking company um, is currently doing right now is through our application, since we are digital, 
we give all of our clients access to their entire database. So if you're a client and we have 3,000 men in LA that are already in our database, you can actually see all of them and you can like the ones that you know you think are cute or that you think would be a good match. And what happens is we have this user integrated technology. So the second that our client likes a profile, an automated message is sent from their matchmaker to that person that they liked. So, hey, Jessica, our client John is interested in you. We'd love to chat with you. So we uh, we um, automatically start that vetting process for our clients. So on like a different dating app on like Bumble, let's say if some if you both swiped right, then you match and the and the users have to chat back and forth. But on ours, if our client likes the person, then the matchmaker actually steps in, chats with that person, properly vets them. We FaceTime them, make sure they look like their photos. Um, I, it's so unfortunate, but so many women just, they face tune and they, and they Photoshop, they don't need to do that. They're so beautiful the way that they are, but it's really misleading. And it can be really frustrating when you're going out on dates and you show up and you're like, is that the person you're not totally sure <laughs> because <laughs> they've had so much face tuning work done. Um, <laughs> so we put in a quick FaceTime, make sure people aren't catfishing. Um, but yeah, there's no other matchmaking company that allows their clients to select potential matches. We also, what's really exciting now, I feel like I'm kind of going off, going off script now, but um, what we're also working on that's really exciting is we're building software on our back end. So let's say you were a client and you told us everything that, you know, you were looking for in someone and let's say he's not in our database and he might not be in our database. Like he just might not be. And so we have to go out and find him. We're building software that will actually let us, it's called crawling. So you crawl on like <laughs> Twitter, um, Facebook, Instagram, and you can find data that is similar to um, what you're what you're what they're looking for and so we'll be actually able to <laughs> if you're on the internet this is creepy <laughs> and uh, listen you, uh, for anyone listening technology you guys is so creepy turn off all of your shared <laughs> I mean what we can tell what we can find about people is crazy and I run a tech company so I see it but we'll be able to you know if Jennifer's looking for someone between 45 and 50. So, you know, you can tell if they're single by, um, you know, where they live. Do they file their taxes? Do they file for single or married? There's, wow. yes, there's a lot of data that's out there that we pull all of. Oh, know it's pretty crazy. We know, we know <laughs> what people, you know, what, what they make. If they've been married before, do they have children? What are their what are their activities? Like what what kind of stuff are they doing? Posting on Instagram and Facebook um, that they enjoy doing for activities. So, we our software is actually going to be able to allow us to search um, to search everywhere, which is going to be a game changer. So we're working on getting that patent right now. We've been in. I've been in meetings with lawyers and it's, that's, that it's exciting. It's a lot of work, but it's really exciting. Um, so yeah, so we're, there's a lot of really good things and exciting things happening. Well, that is amazing. And it's incredible. The technology, I mean, I know it has some creepy sides to it, but then how it can help your clients too. Um, because like you said, maybe that special someone is not in your system yet, but there's a way to find Exactly. Them. That is so neat. So if, um, so you mentioned how right now the list 
um, everyone in your system is based in LA. Is that correct? Southern California, but yes, mainly oh, okay. LA, but, but we, we do have, um, we do have probably 30% actually of our clients are down in Orange County. Oh, okay, cool. So then let's say someone lives outside of that area. Do you have any tips for them or that people that are dating right now? Um, I know fortunately things are starting to open up again, which is nice, but, um, yeah. Do you have any tips for them that, you know, absolutely. What's the best way? Like to maybe someone, whatever. Yeah. You know, I would say, okay, a couple of things like definitely put yourself out there. Like dating apps can be, um, ugh, they're exhausting. I, I get it. But, um, if you can't afford to hire a traditional matchmaker and, and the list isn't in your city yet, put yourself out there. If, um, and just put yourself online and in a couple of things, FaceTime them before, um, you meet them in person. It saves a lot of time. So when we FaceTime for our clients, we're, we're essentially going on kind of like that first date, right? We're like making sure they can, they can talk. They're cool. Like, are they funny? We're getting a sense of like their personality. There's nothing worse than showing up on a date. Maybe they don't look like their photos or maybe they're just like a total dud. You can like solve all those problems by doing a quick, it doesn't have to be long FaceTime, like a quick three minute FaceTime um to say hello i know that can be a little annoying so you feel like you got to do your hair and your makeup and you got to get good lighting (laughs) but um i think it's like so worth it and listen if he or she doesn't like the way that you look on facetime then it's not worth your time to go out on like an actual date with that person anyway so i would say um put yourself out there facetime them before you you meet them um and don't draw hard lines in the sand with silly things. We see so many people get hung up on, oh my goodness, like height. Um, a lot of our, our female you know, clients are like, he has to be a minimum of six feet tall. Like he has to be six feet tall. And, you know, we just think like when you're 60, 70, 80, is that at the end of the day, what's going to, you know what I mean? Like going to matter And same thing with like men, like, oh, I I love blondes or I love brunettes. It's like, well, what if she decides to go get her hair colored the next day? Like, are you breaking up with her? (laughs) Like, it's like, and people have these crazy deal breakers and they limit themselves to the people that they can, that they want to meet, you know? So I say like, open up, like, don't stop putting deal breakers on, on the app, open up to what you're looking for and start out asking questions about like, Write down your dreams, where you want to go. Do you want children? How do you want to raise those kids? Make sure like you guys align on like important things in life um, and not like the silly things. Like, um, listen, I'm a, I was horrible dating like in my early 30s. I remember I thought, well, he has to be a Chargers fan. If he's not a Chargers fan, <laughs> like this isn't going to work out. I look back at that now, like, I'm not kidding. That was one of the things I looked, looked for in someone when he, when I was 30 years old, I'm like, what the hell? Like, what, what you know what I mean? It's like, we, when we just get so caught up in the dumbest things now, I could care less if he's even really even, even into football, right? And you're just looking for more quality. But so I would say that if, if you're, if you were dating like me in your thirties, please do not do that. Um, but yeah, the, that's a really good tip. I yeah, feel. those are, you know what I mean? Just to really think about it and get serious. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. It's not going to 
be a deal breaker. And give people chances. You'll be like pleasantly surprised. We have one client right now. We had to have two conversations with her to go out with this guy because in his picture, it looked, she said he looked a little feminine in the picture, which he wasn't. So we had to convince her that he was, we just thought he was this great guy. They've been dating now for almost four months. And she tells us all the time, I can't believe I almost didn't go out with him. And it's because she had us that knew him to push her. So I would just say like, be open to meeting maybe someone and not, you know, and not judging them right away um, from a photo. Oh, that is great. And so you, it's not just you that is the matchmaker. You also have somebody else. Correct? Well, I don't. That yeah. So I actually them. personally don't do any matchmaking. Um, Blake, she, she works for me. She does everything. I do all of the tech marketing. I do all like the business side of things, but I, I, um, I'm nosy and I love to be involved. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm always I'm like what's going on with what's going on with so and so what's going on with so and so and um so I get like all of the scoop oh that's so yeah. fun that and on social media it looks like you guys have a great time so oh my gosh like <laughs> we're trying to step it up on social media that's a whole nother ball game it's uh, it's tough to stay up with um what all the kids are doing these days <laughs> but it's fun it, but, it is fun but you you guys are doing a great oh, job. You. I'm really impressed. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm super excited about everything that you guys have going with the list. And I'm excited that you'll be in other cities in the future because a lot of people, I think, could really benefit from your service. I'm excited to launch in other cities. I'm so excited. And so you really have a lot of, like, business experience and... I think, you know, there's a lot of people listening that, you know, they could be thinking like, I want to have my own business or maybe they work in the corporate world right now. They're thinking about doing something else, or maybe they're going to stay in the corporate world, but you know, they just need some, you know, maybe tips from someone that has experience like you about starting their own business. Do you have anything to share? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I would say I have a few things. So one, definitely educate yourself on the market that you're entering. Um, so I knew when I when I decided to found the list, I knew the dating side of it, right? Because I had been a customer for 10 years. Um, so I, I really knew the competitors, but I didn't know the technology side of it. I, had no, I didn't know anything about building a tech company. Um, and I remember talking to one of my one of my guy friends in Manhattan Beach when I decided that I was going to build this app and he said you have to read a book it's called um, how to build a billion dollar app by George Perkowski George Perkowski is the founder of Halo which I'm, I'm not sure if you know what Halo is but it was the ride sharing um, taxi cab company in London so it's basically like Uber here but in London you could order a, a taxi from from an app so he wrote this book on like everything from like start to finish of building a technology application company. And I was so excited to read this book that I, I remember I could not even order on Amazon because I couldn't wait a day. So I ran, <laughs> I ran to Barnes and Noble um, and I bought this book and I started reading it that night. And I swear it was like, one of the best things from day one that I did is really started to just educate myself on, you know, the tech world and, and how it worked. 
Um, so definitely educate yourself on the on the uh, market that you're entering. Um, also, like write a business plan. So there is a there's a website called liveplan.com, L-I-V-E-P-L-A-N.com. And it's like, I don't know, I think it'd be like $90 and they give you a template for a lot of people like, well, I don't know how to write a business plan. Um, And to be totally honest, when I knew I was going to write a business plan, I didn't even know. I was like, okay, how did, what's the format of a business plan? Like how horrible is that? But that was, that was my thought process. So this website walks you through it. It's super easy. It makes you think about things that you're not thinking about. So um, I highly, highly encourage you to do that. Um, and part of that is like, number one, like the, the probably the most important thing is like figure out how you're going to make money. There's so many people that want to launch these, you know, Facegrams and uh, Facebook and, and Instagrams and, um, you know, these, these unicorn companies. It's really hard to do. And it, sounds amazing everyone wants to you know be the next Facebook but realistically like I mean Facebook it took them a while to figure out how they were going to monetize and and, you know and build revenue streams so I would say like figure out how you're going to make money and then how are you going to scale it do you want to be a small business and and, you know only be in one city or do you want to be nationwide and if you do want to be in in multiple states or even nationwide or even worldwide how, how do you scale this and start thinking about like long-term? Um, so I think that's, that's really important. And then um, another tip that I wish someone would have told me is think about where you're going to build this company. So I live in California because I love the beach um, and, and building my event planning company was fabulous here because California was like a destination for weddings, right? So it was great. But now that I'm building this tech company in, in California, there's so much I didn't, I literally didn't think about till probably the, ba- the past year with, you know, the cost of living. So, you know, engineers, when you, when you hire for techs, I mean, engineer salary, it starts at like 120,000. And then you got to pay 30% more if you live in California because of cost of living, right? So, there's all these things that I didn't think about is, is California the best? You, I mean, you see in the news, you hear it. All of these big companies are leaving California, right? Yes. They're going to Arizona and they're going to Texas because there's no personal income tax. So they can, you know, pay their engineers less. They can, um, it, it's just easier to build in these states. They're more business friendly. Um, and that's something that I didn't think about. No one told me like, you know, no one, no one said that to me. Like, are you, are you sure you want to build this tech company in, in California because of their high taxes and the cost of living? I didn't think about any of that. And now, unfortunately, two years in, I'm having to think like, oh my goodness, because we're getting ready to hire more people. And is California the best state to stay in to do this? So um, now if you're live, if you're doing a smaller company, that's totally fine. You probably, you probably don't have to wait think about it as much but if you really want to build a a huge you know 100 million plus company um definitely start to think about where and 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 watch the trends and people you'll see a lot of companies are moving um to texas right now and that's that's you know that's a it's a really smart plan for a lot of entrepreneurs yes there's so much to consider and i appreciate you sharing all that too because 
like you said, you know, it's exciting. You're getting your business going. And then I feel like as you're growing, then maybe all these other things kind of come to life. Like you were saying, like, you know, the hiring more employees, the cost, you know, can be so much higher in certain states than others. It's yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. And you don't think about that until unfortunately, oh, I didn't think about it until it's a little <laughs> it's a little late. But but uh, we're, it's something I think about every single day. And I, I do have an, probably a good three to six months. So we have to make a final decision um, on, you know, where we're for sure going to be headquartered. But it's 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 hard. It's a, such a bummer that California is not more uh, business. But that is exciting for you that I you have options. I feel you know what I mean? You're not. Always, you know, yeah. what I, mean? I think that is an exciting thing about you um, and your position is you do have some flexibility there. And these are decisions that you get to make that are going to impact you for the long haul. Yep, exactly. So it's, it's all exciting. It's really exciting. So Absolutely. with everything that you have learned, what are some struggles or um, and milestones too that you've experience because I mean you are I mean learning all about the tech world is like a whole other world if you ask me and so yeah what what do you have to share about that yeah definitely learning about and staying up on the technology so um a great thing that I that I did I actually recently did was I brought on a really strong advisory board so I brought on um a woman by the name Andrea Gallego, and she is the youngest female partner um, at BCG Global. And she's in charge of um, engineering, machine learning, and AI, and all these different softwares for huge Fortune, Fortune 500 companies. How do you solve, like, they're trying to solve, like, the biggest problems in the world. Um, and I brought her onto my team because... There's so much that I don't know the technology, even like with the software that we're building, I, she, I struggle with, you know, what can we do? How can we solve this problem? And when you hear these engineers talk like, oh, you should just do X, Y, and Z. And it's like, yeah. what? We can do that? It's so crazy that, um, you know, so definitely you want to make sure that you have like a really strong team that's like advising you and guiding you to help you through like what you don't know, because there's a lot that you won't know. And I always, always, I'm really good at surrounding myself with extremely smart people. Um, and that's like, that'll help you a lot with like the struggles of like not knowing stuff. Um, I think the biggest struggle that I've had to deal with for building the list has definitely been raising capital. I didn't have to do that with with my wedding company, I just, you know, I made money and I, and I spent it. It was, I didn't have like huge overhead. Tech is so expensive, you know, to these patents and to pay lawyers and to hire all of these, you know, you need, you know, you need six engineers that cost $150,000 a year a piece. Wow. And you're just like, Oh my goodness, you have, you, I have, you have to raise capital. So we've raised to date about 400,000. I have about 2 million left, which feels like it just feels like I'm never going to get there. And I remember the end of 2019, I like had, I just had this like almost like this breaking point. I was just like, this is 
raising this capital is like the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Like, I don't understand how this is ever going to get done. Like, I don't know if I'm, if, if, if I'm going to make it, like, how do you get through this? Um, Cause you get so many no's you, you sit through these investor meetings and you get excited and then they just like tear you apart <laughs> and you're just like, okay. And you just leave and you're just like, Oh my gosh. So it's like, how many times can you be turned down before? And like, keep that like upbeat personality, you know, like you keep like motivated and you're just like, I got this. Um, and then in like early 2020, um, as I started to close, you know, uh, more funding, I really like realized, and I, I think I was listening to a podcast. I can't remember who it was, but they said, don't try to convince investors of like, of your idea. Like if they don't get it, move on. Like that's their loss. Like you're actually the opportunity and you, they should be thankful to be on your cap table. They should be like, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Like it, it shouldn't be like, when you're out fundraising, we shouldn't as founders feel like we're bugging them. Like, oh God, we're just trying to get some money. It's like, no, we have an, an amazing opportunity that's going to make you a lot of money if you want to invest. So once I started realizing that like, okay, well, if you, if you want to pass up on this opportunity, like that's on you and you're going to look back in five, seven years and be like, gosh, I can't believe I was sitting with Constance and I was able, I could have come in at this valuation and I totally missed that. You know, once you realize that, um, once I realized that, I feel like that's been a struggle that I've, I've overcome, but it's definitely, it is so hard. I don't, no one prepared me for <laughs> fundraising. <laughs> It's so hard, but it's, it can be, um, you know, it can be exciting too. So you can just talk to some really cool people that are, you know, doing neat things, but definitely the biggest struggle. And after, and it doesn't end. It's like after you close the, you know, this is a 2 million seed round. After this round's closed, then you open up a five to 7 million, million series A round. And then you have to start our, all over. And I just, it's like, oh my gosh, to think about that is, is difficult. And we, I mean, I could do a whole other thing on whole other like podcast on fundraising and stuff that I've learned from it. Cause I didn't, that was something that, gosh, I wish, honestly, wish I would have paid more attention in college, but I missed that. Like I didn't understand. <laughs> I didn't understand like really what like a, a seed, seed round was in series A and series B and, and what milestones you have to, you know, hit to, to convince someone to give you $5 million. Like I didn't know any of that. So I was like contacting, you know, probably like the top investors in the United States. And they're like, you're way too early for us. Call us in five years. So it has definitely been a struggle and a learning process, but, um, but one that like, I can't like, as, as I continue to close these rounds, I can't wait to, to share with other entrepreneurs. Like, okay, here are all of the mistakes that I've made. So don't do this because you're going to get a no right away um, when honestly you could have just saved, the, saved yourself the trouble. Because if you'd have done like your homework and your research, you would have known that your company is way too early for these investors. Well, anyways. that is unbelievable. The experience you've had, though, fundraising. I mean, not everyone is going to have those opportunities and you still have such a positive outlook. You are always so upbeat, I feel. And. I don't know. You just have like your head on straight and you seem so motivated to get to your goal. And I, I really commend you for that because 
I'm sure it is hard when you like put all this energy into a meeting and you really want it so bad. You know what I mean? But I, that advice that you heard on that podcast sounds so fabulous. Yeah. uh, You know what? You know what's so funny? I always laugh that there's a, there's a, um, it's called ghosting and dating where like you're talking to someone and all of like, if anyone's on a dating app that's listening, you've definitely been ghosted. (laughs) Like everyone's been ghosted. We all have. And it's just basically like, for those that don't know what that is, it's like, you're talking to someone and all of a sudden they just disappear and they like never like respond to you. Or maybe you go on a date with them and then, you know, they're like, Oh, I had a good time. We should just see. And then you reach back out and say like, I'd love to see you. And then you never hear back. They don't say like, they don't say like, thank you so much. Had a good time, but you're not for me. It's like they literally just disappear. I swear investors are worse. Investors are worse than dating. You'll be like, I'll be sitting at a meeting and they're like, this is amazing. Send me, send me all of the, you know, financial information. Send me this, send me that. You send it to them and it's like crickets. I'm like, oh my hello? Gosh. hello? I'm like, what? I'm like, where's that chat? <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> I'm like, why are we? Um but it's worse. It's so bad. Like it, it's so, I don't know. I guess it's just everyone just ghosts. But they say, one investor told me that the reason investors ghost is because they don't want to say no because they don't want to be the guy that like said no and passed up on the big opportunity. So they, they're like, oh my God, I met with them and then I got so busy and I just forgot. That's like literally their excuse because they don't want to be like the idiot that passed. So they just ghost, but yeah. But that is funny. Yeah, they don't want to kick themselves yet later when you're making all that money in their yeah. <laughs> Oh my exactly. gosh. Well, I'm so proud of you and I'm so excited about your future holds though, too. I just feel like the sky's the limit for you. I'm excited. We're all really excited. It'll be it'll be this is gonna be a really fantastic year. The energy um, with our entire team is like through the roof and yeah, we're just, we're really excited. And in one year, it'll be really excited. To yes. See where I we can't are. wait. I'll be, I'll be waiting to hear where you guys end up with your headquarters. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It'll be exciting. Okay. Well, I loved learning so much, um, the ins and outs of your company. And so before I let you go, I love to ask you some rapid fire questions that I ask all my guests. Are you up for it? I'm up for it. Here we go. And you can just respond with the first answer that comes to your mind. Okay. What is a funny dating story that you can share? Oh my gosh. A funny dating story. This guy took me to um, like a a book, like a book gallery. And it was, it was an author and he was um, a super, super liberal um, author and I was literally just dying the whole time at, um, at, <laughs> at sit- we're sitting in this like circle with all these people talking about like, um, you know, people living off of um, food coupons and how we need to, you know, uh, it was just crazy not to get into politics, but I was obviously first date. You should, you should never take someone one to like any sort of like a book <laughs> club signing where you literally have to sit there mute, but then make sure like, they are they're they're supportive of whatever topic great tip <laughs> you live to tell about it that's so great <laughs> yeah okay yes, so yes. um what is one account on social media that we should all follow uh get love the list out and i'm loving your reels <laughs> everyone will find them entertaining 
Yeah. Okay. Yes. What's your favorite cocktail? <laughs> oh, tequila. I love tequila. Um, so, and honestly, anything with tequila, even just um, tequila, Casa Azul. Um, I don't know if you had it so good, but oh, even that just straight. Okay. <laughs> okay. What's for dinner tonight? Um, lamb chops oh, and yeah. potatoes. Fancy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How long does it take you to get ready? Oh, I've, I've got it down. Maybe like 30 to Quick, 40 minutes. I love it. I'm fast. I'm, I'm, I'm fast now. Well, I chopped my hair, so it only takes me five out, uh, five minutes to, to blow dry it. I used to have extensions, and it took me like 30 minutes to do yeah, those sh- things. Short hair is the way to go. So. <laughs> yeah, short hair. All right. Easy. Um, I know that you live an active lifestyle, so what's your favorite way to exercise? Definitely lifting weights. I used to CrossFit, um, but now I do kind of my own thing, but I, I love to move weight um, as quickly as possible. Fun, fun wads or walking out with my brother is always a good time <laughs> too. Right. What is the last podcast mm-hmm. that you listen to? Oh, uh, Joe Rogan um, interviewing Elon Musk. I'm obsessed. I'm like weirdly, really obsessed with Elon Musk. Like I know I follow him. Like I get, I get like his Twitter um, sent to like my text messages. Like I have to like, I just love, I think he's one of the most brilliant entrepreneurs of our time. He's building, he's running three billion dollar companies right now. I, I don't, it's just, it's really incredible. If you think about what he's doing, he's going to Mars. He's like building those, uh, you know, those Hyperloop um, yes. those underground tunnels in like Vegas. He's building that. I mean, Tesla, I mean, I'm just like, I'm really blown away by everything he does. Um, but yeah, he was interviewed by Joe Rogan and I, that's kind of the last one I listen to in his Joe Rogan's podcasts are like three hours long. So it takes forever to well, get through it. I have I, people said for years you got to listen to it. You have to listen to it, and I haven't started listening to it. And I know that's one episode I'm like that really interested me. That I'm like I need to listen to it. But that's good to know. I'll just have to put on my AirPods and you know just for a day or two listen to it. <laughs> that I know it took me. To, it takes me like a few days to get through it, but um, but yeah, Joe Rogan's interviewed Elon a few times, but um, but. Most recently, his the one was, okay, was really awesome. Good. And last question: What is one of the destinations on your travel bucket list? Um, Montana. I want to go to Big Sky, Montana, and I want to go to uh, oh. Whitefish. I would. Oh. I'm. The, I'm. I'm trying to get up there in maybe like July or August of this summer um but we'll see oh and i just decided i just found out today that i am going to west palm beach um next month i've never been there so oh, i'm excited cool. about that well, july and august are like the best best times in montana you're gonna have the best time both of your locations are very cool and um have fun in florida thank you so I'm cool excited. well constance thank you so much and if you ever want to come back and just talk about fundraising we can totally make that happen Love it. Anytime I was, I'm happy to do this. I loved it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. I'd love for you to share this podcast episode with a friend. Remember, you can check out the show notes at lifeinthedesert.net forward slash podcast. I'll be back next week with another episode.